Hey everybody, just want to take a moment right here at the beginning and uh, thank you for waiting patiently for this episode. Man, oh my gosh, Adam and I went through so many trials and tribulations getting this completed and uh, just now, as of today, this morning, April 30th, we finally got uh, his reading completed again. It's like the <laughs> third time we've tried to do this and uh, it's all done. But you know, the unexpected and unintended benefit from this is that you know, Adam's reading, uh, it became more of a conversation than just your basic reading. It was more like, I think, I think it's more like one of his TED Talks, which, you know, again, I think that speaks to his professionalism and uh, his abilities as a speaker. So you're going to really enjoy this episode. I do want to say thank you one more time to Adam for all of his patience getting through all these troubles. And uh, without further ado, let's get on over to that episode with Adam Lewis Walker, episode 116. The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. I hope this episode finds you doing well and staying healthy, uh, just like I am. I've been very, very busy, and it's just been uh, really something these last several weeks. In today's episode, we're going to be talking with mindset coach and speaker, Adam Lewis Walker. Adam is the author of the best-selling self-help book, Awaken Your Alpha, as well as host of the number one ranked show and podcast, Awaken Your Alpha. And let me tell you, putting this episode together, I have certainly had to awaken my own inner alpha uh, to get this together. This episode, as you are listening to it right now, this is the culmination of three separate meetings that Adam and I have had to do to uh, put this together because our first time... We didn't have time to do the whole interview, so got together later, did a reading, but then Zoom crashed on me afterwards, so I didn't, I couldn't save it, and I, believe me, I have been doing everything in my power to try and recover those files, because I see them, but they won't convert. Um, and then finally, here we are, I'm actually recording this prior to getting the reading, <laughs> the chapter reading back from Adam. Uh, I'm either getting that from him or we're going to do a third that third session. With any luck, I'll have all this put together and you won't know the difference whenever you're listening. It's just going to flow seamlessly right together. But let me tell you, it is certainly worth all the work that uh, is going into this episode because so many of the things you're going to hear from Adam today, I found extraordinary because I've always wondered Whenever a speaker puts together a book, you know, I'm just assuming it's a bunch of notes based on what they're talking about and, you know, how, how well is it put together? So this was a first to me to get to talk to Adam and kind of get an understanding of what went into it. And I mean, he puts as much effort into this book as any fiction author does. And, and I mean, was, he was really worried about, is he satisfied with the book? Is he really fulfilled uh, by what he put into it? You know, is he ready to say, yes, here you go. I'm handing it over to you to read and you will be fulfilled by what I've written. 
you know, uh, those kinds of things. He had questions, the same kind of questions that every author goes through. Um, you know, is it, uh, am I done with it? You know, should I back it off and edit it? Uh, he talks about one of his earlier things that, uh, he, that he wrote that was, you know, book length. And by the time he was done editing it, he basically had a chapter. <laughs> and I mean, that's incredible. That's something that I'm very well aware of myself because, you know, my first book, it was 130,000 words. By the time I got done editing, it was uh, around 80,000, 85,000. Uh, and it's, it's incredible to hear that, you know, TED Talk speakers like Adam, when, when it comes to writing a book, that he is going through the same kind of agony that every author out there does as well. It's it's really incredible. There's lots of great stuff going on, and uh, not only not only are we going to hear some great things, but today, April twenty eighth, is the actually the sixth anniversary of his book, and later this week is the four hundredth episode of his podcast. Hey, I'm going to have some links to Adam and uh, where you can find him, where you can find his show and his books. All of that's going to be in the show notes, so make sure you stay tuned for all of that and so much more. It's a great conversation coming up here in just a few minutes. First, let's say our thank you to the sponsors such as U-Storeall, the self-storage facility out of Warrensburg, Missouri. If you are looking for the best in self-storage, then look no further than U-Storeall. With two different facilities, both of them gated, fenced-in, and featuring climate control, you won't find any reason to look any further than Ustorall. Hey, check them out online at ustorall.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L.net. And of course, I want to thank the number one writing software made for writers by writers. Yes, I'm talking about Scribner. I use this service every day. Um, and I guess I can't say that here lately because I've been so incredibly busy, but I do, I do try every day to at least hop onto my phone where I have the Scrivener app and get a little bit of words written. You know, even if it's 50 words, it's more than I had yesterday, but I also use it on my desktop and on my laptop. I love it. And you know, speaking of Scrivener, I want to give a special shout out to Vanessa Ebony. Vanessa and I connected on Twitter. She was looking for Scrivener and I was able to help her out getting her set up on uh, on the Mac version of it. She loves the uh, all the different features involved with it, the you know how you can copy paste, move things, scroll in and out of it. She loves the folder that uh, you can use to create information with her uh, uh, YA fantasies that she likes to write and the history because she can go in there and save all of her research is right there within reach is what I'm trying to say. And that's one of the trademarks of Scrivener's. Everything you got is right there. You can move the chapters around all your research. Everything is right there. You can just move it around easy peasy lemon squeezy. <laughs> so, Hey, check out this commercial for Scrivener and hear how you can save 20%. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. 
Now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. All right, so there you go. That's that coupon for Scrivener. Don't forget to use that coupon code CHAPTER whenever you go to purchase it yourself and save 20% on the regular desktop version. Hey, I also want to give a big shout out to... One of our networks, the first one I've been a part of, which is Pop Goes the Culture Network. Find them online at popgoestheculture.com, where they have a collection of other podcasts, blogs, uh, interviews, celebrity interviews, all kinds of stuff. Anything pop culture related is right there at your fingertips. Make sure you click the link in the show notes for Pop Goes the Culture and find all the great stuff that you're looking for. And finally, I want to thank Project Entertainment Network. They are my second network that I'm a part of, and I'm very, very happy to be a part of now more than 30 shows within that network. Oh my gosh, that's just incredible. I I remember late last year when they were down to, I think it was 15 or 16 shows on the network. They were downsizing, uh, getting ready to do a big reshuffling of the entire network. And uh, Armand Rosamilia, who runs the network, he finally got that completed and then opened it up to more shows. And man, they have, I mean, they've doubled in size. Um, And I'm very happy to be a part of this network. Um, Don't forget to click the link in the show notes so that you can find so many other shows over there that, that you can listen to. Several that I mention on a regular basis, Mondo Method Podcast, the uh, Armcast, Dead Sexy Podcast. Of course, you got Bizong. Bizong! Because it's got an exclamation point at the end of that. (laughs) There's also Matters of Faith and Monster Attack. Uh, And then, of course, uh, those crazy guys over at Your New Opinion. Uh, These and so many more over there. Project Entertainment. Hey, I'm going to play an ad for one of those shows coming up here in just a second. And then we're going to get on over to our interview with Adam Lewis Walker. Welcome to Wild Speculation, a podcast where each episode is a short story that explores one of the many strange, wonderful, and sometimes disturbing worlds of speculative fiction. You can find us at wildspeculation.buzzsprout.com, on the Project Entertainment Network, and wherever else you find podcasts. So sit back, enjoy the story, and let your imagination run wild. Good morning, friends. Hey, it's an early morning here at the Sample Chapter Podcast, but we are up and Adam with Adam Lewis Walker, founder of the number one ranked Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Adam is a mindset coach and speaker. His mission is to inspire a million entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs to rise up, pursue their ultimate lifestyle, and create a legacy. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Wonderful to have you here. I, I mean, I guess to start off, I need to make sure, how are you doing? Are you, are you okay? 
Hey, I'm all good. I'm, uh, we just spoke before. I'm up in northern Michigan. Even though I'm, I'm originally from England, I'm up in northern Michigan, middle of nowhere in the wilderness, and currently in my man cave basement, tucked away. <laughs> so I feel like I'm in a bunker. So yeah, I'm all good. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, now, so you began this uh, journey towards authorship as a, uh, as a podcaster with the Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Tell us a little bit about this. How did this begin? Yeah, so my original idea was for a, a book and a podcast kind of exactly the same time. I think probably the book was um, maybe a few, few seconds, few minutes before until I was like, I'm not going to spend you know, four years just, I'm not in that privileged position where I can just sit there researching my first solo book for four years. Mm -hmm. you know, there was no one backing me. So it was uh, the, the kind of the, everything came together and the idea for Awaken Your Alpha podcast of, you know, sharing these inspiring conversations with people all around the world in terms of how they've overcome their adversities and, you know, the thousand tactics to thrive ultimately. And that's, that's the subtitle of the book, thousand tactics to thrive. And, um, it came from, I was a, a co-author in a book in 2013 and I met all the other authors that on the paper were very random, you know, 60 year old dentist from South Africa, a 30 plus year old tent uh, teacher at that time from England and just uh, this variety. And then it was only when I met them and had the conversations that I realized, wow, there is, I get why we're in a book now. It's there's success leaves clues and there's a lot of similarities in the mindset. So that was the idea of, I want to share this for the podcast and the book at the same time. And 2014, I launched the podcast. It hit number one on iTunes. It launched the same week as Tim Ferriss's podcast, which done quite well since. I'm not <laughs> quite there, but I did get the screenshots early on where I would go ahead of him, um, which was a brief <laughs> period, but I've got the screenshots because I barely believe it myself. <laughs> and now, um, then 2016, I did a TEDx talk, Awaken Your Alpha, How to Rise Up. And then 2018 is when the book finally came out. And it really is a legacy piece that people are generally shocked at when they read, you know, the quality and, and what it is like, because there's a lot of entrepreneur books out there or people who are doing things and they, they put out a book in like three months and it's all about getting it out there and a marketing piece. This is not that kind of book. This is the book that I would hand to anyone. I would hand to my sons. I, you know, I dedicate it to my sons. So if anything happens to me, this is literally the, the thousand tactics to thrive from myself and people all around the world of how to basically handle what life throws at us. And it's very relevant in today's climate, um, where you know, a lot of people are getting shaped, you know, shook up with what's going on and rightly so, but you know, it's, it's all about preparing for adversity because it's coming for all of us at some point in our lives. It's not a question if it's just when, so when it does come, that's not when you want to get prepared for it. Cause as I found out personally, you know, I had, I was a pole vaulter and uh, was trying to get the Olympics and I thought I was slightly mentally prepared. I didn't really think about it that much. I thought I was mentally strong. And then I had a very sort of career ending pole vault accident in the rain and you know, it pulled the rug from under me and I really struggled for a few years, um, operations, depression. And, and so that's, I'm always aware of that to, you know, train and prepare mentally for when adversity comes so then you, you know you're in a better shape to to handle it yeah yeah okay and i was going to ask like what was kind of the inspiration behind it but that sounds like it's it's the adversity really was the inspiration and how to 
cope with it, how to deal with it, and and how to move past that adversity. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was, I've always been positive, but in that period, um, you know, I I just I had to battle to wake my alpha every day, and I, I worked hard on it, and it nothing was working, so I just kept trying different things, and just gradually. You know, over a long period, I started clawing my way back out. And that's when I came kind of obsessed with finding how other people have dealt with it. And because, you know, I don't have all the answers and I'm always searching. And I put in the book, you know, the best of the best. If, if I think I've got a valid opinion, then that's the one I put forward. If I think someone else I've interviewed has, a, a, you know, a different slant on it and, a, you know, a, something that's really valuable or something that I've used myself, then I put them in and give them credit. And, and there is a structure to it. It's not just a random you know, collation of interviews and, and for the, a book that uses pieces of interviews, um, they're not transcribed. You know, that was one of the first, I was in the early drafts of the book, it was, you know, more transcribed aspects and that's easier to do, but it's, it's not a good read. You know, how people <laughs> speak like this is not how you want to see it in a book and you don't want to have all the back and forth chit and chat. Um, so, you know, there were multiple, um, workings and drafts of this. So it is, um, you know, really just fine-tuned down to you know this is the most efficient and and the best stuff and the minimal effective dose of you know almost like a guidebook and a reference and there are 30 i think 33 actions um throughout the book so it's not just like this is how someone else has done it and this is wow this is an idea for you it's like okay how can i apply that what action what practical thing can i do now what is the the you know what can really help me apply this to my life now um, and again, it's, it's a, you know, a pick and choose. You can go, I've heard a lot of people have read it and then they come back and they dive into it to specific aspects when they're, you know, coming up against a challenge or they just want to get a bit more clarity around certain aspects of um, their mission. Yeah. And I think that's a smart way to go about it is, is if you just tell people, well, here's something, uh, it can get very dry and, I, and I have gone through, I think I've been through act one so far of, of your book, uh, your introduction and then through act one. And I think I, I like the, the blending of here's a personal story about somebody that, that, that you've met or uh, read about how they coped with this issue, whether you're talking about purpose, priority, process or perspective, those sorts of things is you have a personal story that relates to it so that the reader can relate to what you're the point you're trying to get across. And I thought that was really, uh, really fascinating and a, a well done way to do it. Cheers. I appreciate it. Yeah. As I say, I worked, there was, there were not deadlines missed, but the, the launch date of the book was pushed back because I always came multiple times. Cause I always came back to, am I going to be satisfied and fulfilled handing this book to my boys and saying, you know, this is for you for when you get older. Um, instead of saying, oh, it's not quite how I wanted it, but I hit my deadline. Like no one's going to care about that. And no one's, it is what it is. So you, 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 quality was way more um, important to me than just putting a book out to hit a deadline. And these were all deadlines that I'd set myself. So I do believe in the power of a deadline and I hit deadlines, but then I'm like, no, it's not quite, I need, it needs another pass. It, it needs this, you know, it was just like a TEDx talk, like anything, if you want to do it quality, you, you've, you've got to go over it um, and do it again. It's like a podcast. I'm closing on 400 episodes. And <laughs> the only way the, the, the podcast, I believe, has got to the quality is now is because, you know, many of the episodes were, <laughs> were not to the quality. Um, the episode one, I wouldn't even, <laughs> no way I would listen to my episode one or two or three because I'd probably be, well, I would be cringing. Um, but the only way you get to that point is by putting the reps in. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you there on on all of that because yes, I I just crossed a hundred at uh, at Christmas time and yeah, I I go back to listen to the early episodes or or go to share them. And I'm like, oh gosh, I hope people don't judge the rest of this based on this episode. But you know, the author did a good reading, and I want to make sure and share that. So, <laughs> but yeah, you put in the work and you and you keep grinding at it, and I think that's a that's a great mindset. Definitely. I <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> so now, Ed, as far as writing a book, is this something you had always, maybe like in the back of your mind, you'd always wanted to do? Or was it just something that kind of came up because of the adversity after uh, the pole vault accident and the, the drama you had going on in your life? Yeah, I, I, I feel like I always wanted to write a book. I, 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 yeah, I don't even, it's, it's been so long that I've just wanted to, you know, knowing I was going to, it's that almost that mindset of certainty that I would write a book. Um, I suppose, you, you know, when you're ready or, and I, and I believe you should do things before you're ready. Like we just talked about, you only mm. get to certain points by just taking action and just making that decision and commitment. Um, so yeah, I can, I feel like I, I always, and I believe everyone has a book in them. It's just whether they, you know, get that awareness personally. Um, and that that's something they want to do. So yeah, I've, I've, as I said, like 2013 is when I was like, I'm going to do this, this specific book. But bearing in mind, 2013 is when my co-authored book came out and I became a bestseller for the first time oh. officially. So I, and then working it back in, then if you trace it back even further, that co-authored book, I'd already written a book, a full book at that point. It was, you know, too many words. It was called Fit Kid, Fat Kid because I, co- <laughs> uh, I founded the UK Youth Conditioning Association in 2010. Um, so almost like uh, rich dad, poor dad, I had the idea for fit kid, fat kid. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, and I wrote that book and it never came out because then I just reduced, 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 reduced and um, turned it into a chapter. So yeah, it's going way, way, way back. So yeah, I, I, and honestly, as long as I can remember and I, I see my future, one of my kind of visions of, you know, that you imagine and project what do you want your life and lifestyle to be like, you know, ultimately in my woodland retreat overlooking the great lakes and pretty much podcasting and writing books. <laughs> I, would, I would be pretty happy with that. And I'm, I'm not at that level now. I I'm more and more, I can largely podcast and, but the book writing, there are not going to be hundreds of thousands of fans crying if I don't write another book and they're not waiting for the next book. I don't think <laughs> there's a few people who are saying like, are you doing another book? But I, I you know, it, that would be brilliant if you could get to that level where people are, you know, one of my uh, interviews and one of my aspirations and kind of someone I look up to in this arena is Robert Green. And he is a legit writer in terms of, he doesn't do anything else. You know, he writes, he mm-hmm. writes for like four or five years researching and, and writing a book. He is a writer. He's not a writer speaker or writer speaker podcaster or he does, you know, a lot of us have to do aspects around writing our books. Whereas he locks himself away and he is dedicated and he, you know, he writes books. <laughs> That's what he does. And <laughs> people are legitimately waiting for him he, when he puts it out you know, it sells millions. That is, is something. And I'm not, I I think comparing yourself to other people is a way to be very unhappy and unfulfilled, but Mm. that is just, you know, that is for me, that is a a marker of what is possible. And, you know, I, it's not about thinking, will I get to that level? But because I I am a podcaster and I love my podcasting. So straight away, um, that's, I'm not going to do the same version of what Robert's done. Um, 
but and, and much like Tim Ferriss, he's a podcasting machine, and I, I I will not do that in to that level in that arena because I have diversified and I do like the mix of of what I've got going on. So um, yeah, that's it's just it's it's just it's interesting what's possible, and but it's important to like the, through the book do the work to understand what what is your setup and what are, are you aspiring to in certain areas and what are you willing to sacrifice and more importantly what are you not willing to sacrifice oh very well said very well said and i i would oh gosh i would just love to be in that situation that you're in up there sitting at the lake in michigan and just podcasting and writing that would be that would be oh, a dream yeah for me yeah too. see I, I i go out i do a lot of and that this is another thing i know someone like robert green has no aspirations and doesn't need to to you know go out speaking and different things like that but me personally the speaking side of things is something that i've been ramping up more and more um and i know sometimes that goes well with certain authors because obviously when they're out giving talks on whatever is their subject matter and area of expertise then that 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 lends itself to ultimately selling books at the event or even as part of your um, agreement and contract with the the organizers they bulk buy a load of your books and give to the event attendees and that is something that is 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 in my sort of plans and that's something that's happened and is you know it's something i want to ramp up more and again for other people that you know public speaking is a nightmare in terms of they don't want to do it and they they want to you know write books <laughs> they don't want to be out there speaking about it so again it's it's just understanding what works well for you and what you you know what lights you up in terms of your 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 plans and and what doesn't feel like work to you so i think it's important for any writers and podcasters and speakers to just you know do that work and 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 get comfortable with what they do and don't like and then really go all in on their their strengths and their talents i agree completely now, you were telling me before the show that you are in the process of working on, uh, is it a sequel to Awaken Your Alpha? Well, it is. Um, it is literally taking almost one of the chapters and going deep because uh. one of the biggest challenges with Awaken Your Alpha and what really made it absolute mission and, and way harder than I thought was, you know, Awaken Your Alpha it is a holistic approach to it. You know, it was pulling in so many um, angles and going deep in the whole concept of awakening your alpha but you know there's there's you know many areas from looking into the book you know the three key sections awareness action and ascension but then within that there's like four sections within that um you know in terms of really covering the the, the key areas of your life and and yeah it was that was the challenge you know each each one of these chapters you could almost do a book on so through going through that process and what's coming up in the interviews over the last six years, you know, the, the, I put it in the book, the, the chapter, I think it's the, the number one destructive emotion or the biggest destructive force and it's fear and it's personal fear. And the, I believe, and through going through this, that is the biggest sort of indicator of success or what's going to happen to you going forwards and what's happening to you and what has happened to you is your personal fear it's the number one thing that's going to be holding you back is you and so it's fascinated to me and so i've always been asking about it but specifically in the last two years and even before this book came out i was adding extra questions around um people's approach to fear and how they tackle it and that was purely based on 
that's what this next book is about. It's around the concept of fear. I have working titles and that's evolved. And I really want to keep the, the, the work in t- the title fluid because I, was, I want the best title and I don't want to get my mind fixed on, you know, this is the title of the book. Um, so, it, but it is around fear and I'm, I've got a, I've got a TEDx talk booked in that may be getting moved <laughs> because of the current situation, but I've got a TEDx talk uh, booked in for July 30th. Um, and that is on fear also. So there is method to the madness. Um, and that's, that's how I kind of go my process of going through this. And the TEDx talk is very, a very powerful tool for authors and for anyone who wants more exposure to their message and what they're about. So I'm really excited to just dig in to fear. I mean, there's even as I dig into that, I'm like, wow, you could do a whole series of books, but no, this is going to be digging into the, the book on, on fear and it, it excites me. And, and that's how I kind of decided what is the book going to be on? Cause there was, there was a few contenders, mm-hmm. um, but that one just kept coming to the front. And, and I look at it as, you know, I list down the next five books for the next 10 years and literally shuffled the order in terms of, okay, if I had one book to write, if I could only write one, which one would, or which one would I do first? And that's my process because I don't take anything for granted, as, you know, in the spare, especially in the current climate, you know, I don't even know if this next book will get out, but um, I don't think we should think too far ahead. Just be aware of where, you know, where you want to go, but be very um, present daily that there's certain things that are out of your control and don't stress about them, but just do what you can on a daily basis and, you know, enjoy the time you have. I, I agree completely. And it seems that seems like a very timely subject given oh, the uh, yeah. current climate that we're in right well now. i've actually I was, I was speaking to my wife yesterday and i'm I'm pushing up the the schedule on it because man i'd l- wish this i wish this book was ready to go out now i think that could really you know put a dent in terms of it's it's so it's so hard to break into you know mainstream media with a new book because you know anyone and their dog can write a book in 10 days now you know in 10 minutes in 10 days and it's mm-hmm. hard to you know differentiate that now actually i researched this book for three or four years and this is you know people only realize that once they open it but the challenge is you know you've got very good book marketers out there maybe not such good writers um so it's and that's the challenge and then you've got very good book marketers who are very good writers so it's that's the challenge so something like this i really wish the book was ready now and it's not and i'm I'm not gonna rush it in terms of get this out in the next three months but i am potentially pushing up the timeline um slightly or committing to a you know a, a timeline that i was i had loosely in place um i'm looking at maybe january 2021 um but yeah and that's i'm very keen for that timeline now but and i'm hopeful but i'm also a realist that this will not be as big a challenge as the first book because of you know my formatting's all done in terms of it will have, you know, my kind of my style of the book. Um, as a, you know, that took a long time to get it how I like it. That's going to be my calling card. And also, I'm digging into one subject, which makes me relax straight away because trying to cover many subjects like I did in Awaken Your Alpha, it's a great read, but it was a, a huge challenge to do where I'm, I'm loving the fact that I'm just digging into fear and, you know, and I should be more realistic in how long it's going to take me and also be open to the fact it could take longer than I think. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, still, it sounds it sounds incredible, and I, I know we're we're already connected in in a few ways with social media and in our emails. But please, you got to let me know when that's ready, so that I can tell my listeners that oh yeah, your next I'm, one is ready. I'm so ex- I'm so excited about it, and you know, I'm I've been what I do in my process, I prep and research and structure for as long as I can hold myself off. So then, when I go for it, I just go for it. You know, I'm a big mm. believer in this first draft. Do not reread it. Just go for it because if you've done the plan and the structure that will kind of keep you um the strategy and keep you on on place and keep you in the right ballpark um but if you start going back and re-editing and stuff you'll just be stuck in a little loop on chapter one so i think you've just got to get it out there knowing that this is nowhere near the final draft (laughs) just get it out um, and so I'm very close to that point. As I say, I'm, I'm, I'm just planning and structuring and getting, making sure I've got every point and aspect that I want to get across and got the, you know, and pulling, you know, there's certain people I interview around this concept. And I'm literally like, I'm saying this is very likely to go in the book. Um, uh, it may not make it because it's obviously it's about the overall structure and, and how it fits. But um, yeah, I'm very close to just blasting it soon. And I'm, I'm resisting that as long as I can. Because once, once you get into that zone for me, then you're in writing mode. And, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm resisting that. And it's very, it's, I don't want to then add to my kind of my mix because I've, I've got more than enough of um, interviews and thoughts around this concept. So I'm just kind of getting inspiration and, and little things that add in all the time that if you sat down and were, you know, right, I'm going to think about all the things I need to put in. That's, that's a big challenge. Whereas if when inspiration hits you, you write that down, you add that to your list. You think that's definitely going in. And then when you sit down, you've done the years of research and it's all there in a file and you're like, Oh, I'd forgotten about that. That's a really good point. Or, you know, this person made a really good point in an interview. (laughs) So I'm at that point or getting close to that point. And when I pull the trigger, Hey, it may be quicker than um, I think, but, Last time I, I basically wrote the first draft and I had very ambitious timelines in terms of I was almost full time just writing. I got myself a little window and I was like three, I think it took me three months to just blasting it, but I was almost trying to pull a Robert Green, just full time writing. And it was, um, it needed so many um, reworkings, reviews, and the process just took so much longer because I knew it would be painful in some ways. So I thought, right, I'm going to go like a bandaid. I'm just going to try and do this as quick as I can rip it off and just blast (laughs) it and get it out. And it just took so much longer. And it really was, um, you know, I'm sure people can relate to this to reality. It really was a financial strain and a, you know, a physical strain because so many people write, you know, 80% of a book or 90% of a book and get so close and don't put it out. And ultimately if you don't get it out there, you really wasted your time. And there's, I can understand why that happens because as you get closer to getting it out there, the resistance does get bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite books is Stephen, Stephen, is Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art. You know, okay, that, yeah. that is really relevant in the book writing process because it re- I just was, it, the resistance does grow and you question yourself. And it's, it's great being creative and putting all these, you know, what you believe are very strong ideas and opinions, but when they're on your computer who cares but it's when you go oh you're gonna put it out to the world and then life starts chucking things at you that get in the way and you're like oh i've got to actually do some work i've got to actually <laughs> do other things like we can't just sit here writing a book and reworking it for you know months and ultimately years um so you, you've got to get it out there at a certain point you have to say 
for now this is ready it is it's, it needs to get out there um and you know i got to that point and uh, as i say the resistance was huge around that time um so you learn a lot through experiencing that process and you can read about it as much as you want and plan and prep a book but until you've done it it's it's a different ball game oh yeah absolutely so so much writer truth in that with with the the brain dump and and just putting it all out there as much as you can and then getting to that finishing point it's like um it's like water rolling over the stone you know it, it keeps polishing it, it keeps polishing it but at what point do you go ahead and take the stone out to take home and put on your shelf yeah or, or do you just leave it there and eventually yeah. it's going to go away and, and the what worst you case, wrote, yeah the worst yeah. case not the worst case scenario which was why i wanted to, that first one really wanted to blast it in um three months especially the kind of line of work i mean and you know speaking to these inspiring people and, and always evolving and and looking to get you know better in some way shape or form every day if if i was too slow writing a book in six months time or a year's time i definitely have to rewrite it because i would probably want to change a lot of the things that i wrote six months or a year ago so <laughs> yep. i was very aware of that and i didn't want to be in that position because you'll be constantly rewriting if you if, if i write a book and sit on it for a year then I have to rewrite the whole thing, even if it was, you know, perfectly fine the first time around because things have evolved. So that was another thing I was very aware of. And I think with my first book, The Fit Kid, Fat Kid, I sat on that for too long. So ultimately when it came to, to, you know, do something with it, I had to rewrite the whole thing because it was like a year or two old. <laughs> yep. And I like, and that is, that is again, a very painful position to be in. So I think if you, if you're committing to it, I think the power of a deadline, um, be as realistic as you can but stick to them that deadline in some shape or form whether it's you know i think finishing your first draft is a good deadline to have i think having a, a loose deadline to get this book out because towards the end there were so many you know late nights and extra times that i wouldn't have done without a deadline and, and i say these are all deadlines i put on myself there was no big publisher waiting on this with like their royalty check this was personal deadlines that i was approaching as if someone else had put these deadlines on me because um otherwise it just never get done there's always a reason to delay and rework and look for that perfect time that will never come um so part of the reason for january 2021 or around that area i should say early 2021 being a realist is because um again something uh, from my pub publisher i did work with towards the end you know things like well okay if you put it out in january 2021 then it's a new book for almost a year whereas if you put it out because i was i had deadlines like, i want to get it out in 2017 and i was busting the gut then i definitely want to get it out in 2018 so it went out in october 2018 so in theory in like two months it's last year's book and that they mm. like told me about you know are you why are you so obsessed with getting it out in this like what about if you put it out january 1st then it's a new book and i'm like I had personal deadlines and I was like, I am not letting this go another calendar year without getting it out. Because <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I, 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 I wanted the book out in 2017. That's how far off the mark I was or underestimated the initial task in front of me. Well, you're not alone there. I, I, had, uh, I had announced two years before the release <laughs> of my first book that it was about to be out. And yeah, it took me two years. 
And then uh, my second book I have announced uh, twice, I think, since then. And it's re- about ready. It's, it's, I'm about to hit the publish button, but Good. oh gosh, yeah. So <laughs> who, do, who, do you, who do you publish with or do you self-publish or what's your process? Because I'm always interested in that. And I was adamant I was going to self-publish after my first co-authored book. Mm-hmm. And I was like 95%, but I just kept that little open window. And then I connected with as kind of like one of these hybrid pu- publishers. And I really liked what he had to say and then i was like okay and it was that it was that smaller piece of outside accountability that really helped me um mm-hmm. i didn't want to you know let other people down and i couldn't just when times got tough i couldn't just drop it and no one would even know about it it was like they'd be like hey what's what, what's going on we i thought we had agreed on this and just that aspect for me was was useful um but i again i'm gone back i'm i want to experience these all these things so i'm again 95 maybe even higher percent that i'm going to self-publish this time unless i go even more the tradition traditional publishing route because i've got a bit of a platform now but i think they would slow me down which is what i wouldn't like <laughs> oh yeah yeah now i, I self-publish uh, that way i just have the control over it right now but i, I yep. would love i would love to cross over at some point and be a hybrid because I've got yeah. some stories I think would go mainstream and some that are definitely not. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I've got, I mean, cause I've got another smaller book that I would not put in the same bracket of, you know, or that I want to push out around the work I'm doing with, uh, you know, TEDx speakers and aspiring TEDx speakers and my other podcast talk accelerator podcast. That is a, you know, a clear business where I help people secure and smash their TEDx talks. So around that, that would, you know, that would be a book that, a smaller book that would definitely be self-published that I would put out there based on the podcast and the findings of the interviews with TEDx organizers and TEDx speakers. And again, I've got that kind of in my mindset for this year, but that would be, you know, that would be a book I would look to write and put out, you know, three months start to finish. But again, the reason I say I'm not hundred percent committed to that is because if I'm committing to the the, the big book, (laughs) (laughs) then I, I aware, I'm aware that, um, I can't spread myself in too many directions. So, um, but yeah, and that, that's where I may be hundred percent self-published. And if I, you know, things worked out well and I did, they wouldn't come calling. I would call on them and then they may give me a, you know, a, an option of publishing more of a traditional publisher. Then maybe I'd be open to that with the, the big book. Um, yeah. And again, that would be largely following certain authors that I, um, aspire to in some way shape or form if, if and i would do you know i would consult a lot of people on the pros and cons again um, before i made a decision <laughs> yep oh my gosh I, I i want so bad to just keep talking to you i know i'm, I'm, I'm just so in the time yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, we, yeah but, i'm a talker sorry about this <laughs> no it's fine it's fine i know we're up against the wall you've got uh, other things coming up so where can uh, where can listeners find and follow you yeah, Adam Lewis Walker, anywhere. I mean, Awaken Your Alpha, put the two together. That would definitely come up. Um, ayalpha.com forward slash book. Just a little bit more of a specific page on my website that has, you know, the testimonials and the book. And But obviously on Amazon, please go check it out. Um, if you put in Adam Lewis Walker and Awaken Your Alpha, probably likely the TEDx talk I did, Awaken Your Alpha, will pop up pretty quick. And the, the reason I like that is because if you watch the first three minutes of that and you don't like it, do not buy the book because it's more of the same. It really explains the concept of awaken your alpha in that first three minutes. But again, anyone who goes and watches that and is like, I quite like the sound of this, 
you will love the book. Um, so again, I don't want people to waste their money. And to my knowledge, no one has, because if you look at the reviews, I think I have 30 in the, the US at least. So not hundreds, but the quality of them reviews is what I'm more happy about. Um, so it really will have an impact if you know you take the time to read this. Yes, yeah. It's let me know. Let me know. <laughs> we were talking about that before. People just do not let you know as much as so. If I got thirty reviews, I'm oh, confident gosh, yes. there's, there's hundreds of reviews just floating in people's heads. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Everybody, you all, all of your listeners out there, you know I preach that. Leave a review. Leave a review. Leave a review. Let the author know what you think, uh, good or bad. It's still good information. Oh, yes, please. Yes, please. Because I'm writing another book, so you know that may be something in there that I'll be like, hey, that's a good point. I will be aware of that and tweak and you know, for the next book. Um, but please do reach out to me. I don't have a team. It's not going to be my assistant responding to you. If anyone reaches out to me around any of these concepts we've been talking about, I will respond to you personally. And I really do appreciate the feedback and the making, making the effort. Wonderful. Adam, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're a very busy guy and especially with this quarantine, you are just filling in blocks like crazy now and <laughs> with the, the writing and podcasting and, and doing it. So thank you so much for your time. I really oh, appreciate it. I've loved it. I, I don't get to speak about, you know, writing so much. Um, like just, this has just reminded me about how much I love it because I'm talking a lot about podcasting and awakening your alpha and, and TEDx talks at the moment is really like a lot of people ask me about, but man, this has just reminded me. I, I, I love writing and I love talking about writing and publishing books. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside and hand the floor over to our guest, Adam Lewis Walker with Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. Okay. So this part, we're diving into kind of the middle of, of the book. Um, a lot of times um, readings and especially readings I've done for this, usually near, near the start of the book. Um, but I just felt this was relevant for the time we're in. And yeah, if, when I asked to do a reading, this, this really stood out to me. Um, but another positive is I do feel I can pick up the book and dive in at any point in the book, and it would be worth reading a sample chapter. So um, that, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with that side of things. And that was something that was pointed out to me after the book was launched. At a book launch, um, a lady came up to me and said, hey, every page I just drop into, it's got a, you know, an awesome, you know, quote that makes you think and then a really, you know, interesting story or a, a principle or, a, you know, it's just quality through. So we're going to dig in right into the middle and we're starting with the chapter back yourself. And also throughout the book, there's, you know, 33 actionable boxes, really those specific practical actions for the reader to ponder action question themselves and exercise do if they choose which i heavily suggest <laughs> at some point they do because the feedback again is it's not just reading some cool stuff and making you think it's actually you know having an impact um if you just in you know input one or two of these principles into your life so here we go back yourself john blake australia back yourself for the words john lives by and when you hear his story they will become all the more powerful I first connected with John through a mastermind group. Then by coincidence, we were both in Las Vegas at the same time and had the chance to meet up. John was actually the third episode I used to launch the podcast back in 2014. And some 300 plus episodes later, I did not hesitate to include his story in this book. Side note, we're at episode 400 today as I'm recording this. So it's a quality day. 
For the last 25 years, John has been in sales. His experience having to overcome adversity, fight daily resistance, and back himself continues to be inspirational to me. Eight years ago, he, was, he set up a consulting business with a partner, helping salespeople to fast-track their knowledge and results. He describes how they were being booked in the early years. Day three of a conference, a room full of salespeople with a screaming hangover after a massive barbecue lunch, their blood sugar levels in their underpants, and you're somehow expected after a one-hour presentation to turn them into masterful salespeople. John remembers sitting in the terminal of Sydney Airport. He had dealt with about 75 clients during that past year, so he decided to rank them and select the bottom half. This amounted to almost 40 clients that he then deleted to see what would, that would do to the business's bottom line. Just 11%. I sort of looked at it and went, holy crap, we could have dealt with half the clients, done half the work, and really we'd be, we would have ended up doing more business. We would have been able to focus and look after that top 50% better. John made this a reality within days. The average transaction size of the business went from 7,000 Australian dollars a client to up to about 50,000 within 60 to 90 days. Obviously, this took a massive shift in mindset, but the financial aspect swiftly followed. And this is uh, one of the action boxes in the book. So action 14, a better way. Essentially, there are a few key things John did. Firstly, as soon as he realized there was a better way of doing business, he stepped boldly into action and backed himself to transform everything. He created two or three high-value packages to get results, then modifies his, his sales process so his ongoing support package was a no-brainer for clients. From a business standpoint, he was now able to attract like-minded clients but only focusing on his ideal client. Is there a better way to do what you are currently doing? How could you package things differently? What could you change to get the best results for all involved? And I think that's really relevant at the moment in the environment we're in where things are changing. So is there a better way or a different way you could you know, do things to deal with the reality in front of you? As great as this was for John, it wasn't this that awakened his alpha. It was more of a set of circumstances that were thrown at him, forcing him to step up and deal with them in the most powerful way he knew. It was a culmination of a whole bunch of things that happened all at once. My wife actually passed away three years ago. To add to that, at the time, she left me with a five-month-old son and a three-year-old daughter. I also moved house and launched a new business all within a 14-week period. When bad things happen, it's what we do next, how we fight for our lives that defines us. Unless you have gone through that before, you won't know exactly how you will feel and deal with it. As for John... I felt like crap every day. I was pulling on the armor, grabbing the sword, going out and battling all the stuff that was just going on. So that's essentially what forced me to become strong. It was that period of my life. You know, if I can pop out the other end of that, I mean, there are not too many things that are going to rattle me. The more you back yourself, the bolder you are, the more you will be prepared to back yourself. At the end of the day, the only person you can really rely upon to back you is you. Action 15, the Dickens process. In one of the first men's workshops I did in England, I included this exercise to deal with a question. What are your beliefs costing you? The Dickens process is a neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, technique based on A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. I first came across it thanks to Tim Ferriss, who had spoken about going through it at a Tony Robbins event. This is a powerful process and a great one to repeat annually. I will give you the essentials to complete. 
And also in the earlier in the book, we'd gone through ways to identify your limiting beliefs and we've done a bit of work. Some of the actions sort of tie into this. So if it doesn't quite, you know, if it jumps in a bit too into the beliefs, that's why so I'm giving it some context. Examine your top two to three current limiting beliefs using the format explained below. In A Christmas Carol, Scrooge is visited by ghosts of the past, present, and future, hence the name of the process. For each belief, answer the following. Remembering it is important to see, feel, hear, and describe your responses in detail as you get out what you put in. Number one, the past. What has the belief cost you? How has it affected the people you were close to? What have you missed out on or lost? Number two, the present. What is your belief costing you and the people close to you now? And finally, for this belief, the future. What will it have cost you and the people you're close to in one, three, five, and 10 years time? By being honest and really feeling the pain that has come from the beliefs in this exercise, you can't avoid or skip any time scale and impact on your life. Usually it's too easy to revert to, it'll get better or this is how it is without identifying what's holding you back and what that really means to you. Overcoming depression is the next chapter that I want to dig into because I think it's really important always, but especially in this uh, current climate and people may be struggling mentally and with certain aspects. The happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Marcus Aurelius, Roman Emperor. This is a chapter I could have quite easily missed out and that is part of the problem. We avoid talking about depression, my former self included, but clearly I've got better at it. In society, if you break a bone or ruin a knee, as I did, everyone rallies around to ask you about it. The injury is clear to see, easy to explain and easy to understand, and the recovery process can be quite straightforward. But tell people you're depressed and you are likely to get a complete opposite reaction. People will back away. Why do we accept that other body parts break down at times, but not our brains? This has created a culture that doesn't understand mental health. Men especially sweep depression under the carpet because real men have a strong mindset and depression is for the weak, right? Wrong. Depression hit me pretty hard a year after my pole vaulting accident. Having gone down that road, I respect depression too much to underplay it and believe that I am immune to it now. And one of the key reasons why I'm roughly seven years clear of depression is awareness. By acknowledging it's there, I've learned from the past which circumstances, habits, and early warning signs will come back given half a chance. However, I have intentionally included depression in the action section instead of the awareness section because it is the actions, routines, processes, and tactics spread throughout this book that will weaken it. When you are really depressed, it's a tough place to be. For me, it was a long slope that I gradually slipped down over the course of a year before I finally hit rock bottom. I was stuck there for around a year too. And during that time, I wanted so badly to be happy, but I couldn't get out of my own head. I couldn't even escape to enjoy a film. And I've always been a big movie lover. Dealing with excessive stress is something I talk more about in part three with Tom Cronin. The key thing to grasp is that everyone has the ability to make their way back to happiness. As Tom puts it, I was a drug addict. I was suffering clinical depression. I was suicidal. It doesn't matter how far you, gone you are, everyone has the ability to rewrite their part to get back on orbit. The further off orbit you are, obviously, the longer it's going to take you to get back into orbit. You can get back into orbit real quick. It just takes a shift in lifestyle, a shift in the model. If you do the things I've highlighted and talked about in this book, 
when you're feeling like crap and really don't want to. It will go a long way to preventing you from slipping all the way down slope into deep depression. I'm sure you can think of a set of circumstances that even the most mentally tough person would struggle in. Sure, everyone has varied levels of susceptibility to depression. If you've ever heard of seasonal affective disorder or SAD, that is how it emerged early on for me. Even if I was not depressed, I did get pretty low in the darker months each year. So I preempted it by scheduling certain activities or events during this time. January or February are great times to attend events that will better you, especially in somewhere sunny like California. In late 2009, after a year of traumatic events back to back and a healthy dose of denial, I was in a bad place. I was shutting down and becoming isolated. My rock bottom moment was when I, my mum turned up on my doorstep and I lost it. I didn't have the energy to cover it up anymore. I still felt like an absolute loser for a long time to come, but gradually from this point, I was getting better. It doesn't matter if it's a huge leap or a millimeter, better is better. This is the same whether you're struggling or you're thriving, and that is why I truly believe in life. You are either growing or dying. You cannot stand still. Trying to maintain the status quo is a mistake. For everyone, the path out of the hole, the path to recovery is different. There is no one set answer. The divine guidance often comes when the horizon is the blackest. Gandhi. Like the seasons of life, one thing is certain. It's ever-changing nature. Animals appear to understand and deal with this better than the majority of humans. One of my favorite aspects of moving to the wilderness of northern Michigan is the connection I have with the clear seasons, embracing each one for what it brings. Friends ask, and what about the winters there? To which I respond, it's better than rain. I can do something with snow. I love it. Would you really appreciate an eternal summer with blistering temperatures and no variation in weather every day? Would I appreciate snow being here for 12 months? Hell no. I love the fun activities, skiing, the landscape, and the play that comes with having kids and snow combined. Then when April comes around, I'm more than ready to see the grass again. By the end of the summer, I'm excited to see the stunning Michigan colors of the autumn, or fall, they call it here, before heading into the winter again. In life, change is coming. You can either panic, complain about it, or embrace the changes, challenges, and opportunities each season brings. Always focusing on what you can't do is a surefire way to miss out on what you can do. If you are distressed by anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but to your estimate of it. And this you have the power to revoke at any moment. Marcus Aurelius, Roman Emperor. Momentum is the next chapter, and that starts with Sometimes thinking too much can destroy your momentum. And that's Tom Watson, professional golfer and the oldest man to break par in the Masters. So there we go. Hope that was good for you. Hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, please do check out the book, read the book, send me a review in any way, shape or form. I massively appreciate that. Um, and reach out and connect by all any means. And that was Adam Lewis Walker reading a sample chapter from his incredible mindset self-help book, Awaken Your Alpha. Hey, it's an incredible book. I've uh, pretty much finished the entire thing at this point, and I know you're going to love it. It's got some great information. It's going to help you live limitless. Don't forget to click the link in the show notes to find out more about Adam Lewis Walker and where you can get the book. Also find those links in there for our friends and sponsors alike. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out when I return with an all new author, a new book, and a brand new sample chapter. 
Take care, everyone. Uh, once again, congratulations to Adam Lewis Walker on a sixth anniversary and episode 400 of Awaken Your Alpha. Take care. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.